1 Corinthians chapter number 10. And uh, this is part two of what we were talking about last week, Porch Pirates. And uh, so, and like what we talked about last week, why, were, why did we title our message Porch Pirates? Um, and really, it's not only packages from porches that are being stolen. Some people go through mailboxes, and even right now, these days, people hack into your email address and just look for information in there. So, whether it's the mailbox, the porch, the email box, or the Bible, don't steal someone else's mail or packages. That's why. All right. So, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter number 10 is our, uh, is our text. And um, we don't have very much time here. And there's a lot of stuff, good stuff to talk about. So, uh, we're going to sort of incorporate the, the review from last week into the message itself. All right. But first, let's go to the Lord in prayer before we read our, our text. Um, Father, thank you, Lord, for your words. Uh, Lord, I pray, dear God, that you would help us realize the importance of grace in, of your grace in our time right now, dear God. First of all, it brings us salvation and it teaches us, dear Lord. And so as we go through your words, dear Father, I know it's going to be sort of heavy to talk about these things. Um... Not definitely not entertaining, maybe not even inspiring, if you will, in in the um, in the standards of the world. But I pray that everyone, including myself, would realize that it's not to hurt anyone or to single out or to zero out somebody, including myself, but only so we can all be edified and only so we can learn and only so we can grow. This we ask in the Lord Jesus Christ's name. Amen. 1 Corinthians chapter number 10, verse 31 to 32, the Bible says, Whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever ye do, does that include sharing the gospel? Amen. It says whatsoever. Amen. Does that include singing? Does that include working? Does that include living our lives? Does that include reading our Bible? Amen. Because it says whatsoever you do. Do all to the glory of God. Give none offense, neither to the Jews, nor to the Gentiles, nor to the church of God. And so the reason why we're talking about this is uh, next week. Next week is our second installation, our second episode, if you will, of our here a little, there a little service. You know what? Remember what that is? That's our question and answer series. So we've gotten, we've gotten a few questions. Uh, one actually came by mail from uh, our Jehovah's Witness friends. And uh, another is... Well, I don't want to give myself away because <laughs> it's exciting stuff. So come back next week if you want to figure out what it is. But this is sort of uh, 
sort of a precursor to what we're going to be talking about next week in, in the question and answer series. And the reason why is that this Bible is written to many groups of people, not just to the church, which is the body of Christ. There are promises that are given to the Jews. There are specific orders given to the Gentiles, and there are some giving to, given to the church of God. So the only logical thing to do, that's why, you know, the Jews were not, ta- were not told to uh, rightly divide the word of God. It was us, we. We're the ones in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. That command was given to us because we have the complete Bible. Amen. So because we have the complete Bible, God says you got to rightly divide that. You need to know which one is yours and which one belongs to the Jews and which one belongs to the other group of people or else you're being porch pirates and stealing mail that's not for you. And may I submit to you, that is the reason why there are a lot of cults that, are, that, that exist right now. Because they apply things that don't belong to them. Amen. All right. So that's why we have this. So if uh, God willing, if we have time to go through all of this today, uh, if you know, we talked about some of the basic rules, number one, in studying your Bible, we're going to continue that. And some fundamental uh, differences between Israel and the church, which is the body of Christ, that which is us. And then if we don't get through or to number three, some commonly stolen verses, we'll uh, incorporate that into next week, this question and answer portion. All right, you guys ready? Woo! (laughs) All right, so some basic rules in studying the Bible. Um, And again, like I said in my prayer, please don't think that this is aimed at anyone because this is aimed at everyone, including myself, right? Uh, So let's let's just keep on going here. All right, so the first one is, uh, the first one, remember, is uh, make sure you have a blank word-for-word Bible. Starts at the P, ends with an perfect. Oh, perfect. Good answer. Amen. Uh, because the Bible says, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So you have to make sure that if you're, you have the word of truth, then that's the, only, that's the only time that you can be sure that your cross-references are hitting, all right? Are correct, are accurate. The Bible says every word. So we talked about this last week, so we're just going to breeze through this here. The Bible says, um, Proverbs 30, verse 5, every word of God is pure. How many is every? All of that, Right? All of the word of God is pure. He is a shield unto them that put their trust in him. And some people will say that, and believe me, I used to believe that too. Oh, you know, it's not, it's not this book over here that you hold in your hand that's perfect. It's just, just the Jew, or sorry, the, 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 the Hebrew and the Greek. But the Bible says every word of God is pure, right? 
So, uh, and like it says in Psalm chapter 12, verse 6 and 7, the words of the Lord are pure words. As silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. I actually wrote a syllabus for bibliology called, or for, for the doctrine of preservation called furnace of earth. Um, and that means that God uses his people, you know, the body of Christ, holy men of God. Remember, in the, the Bible says, uh, spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. All right. God would use uh, his people to preserve his words. And thou shalt keep them, O Lord. Thou shalt preserve them from this generation for how long? Forever. So, if God just preserved the Hebrew and the Greek, and it's not anymore preserved right now, it's not perfect anymore right now, is it still forever? No. Then God failed, right? So, Thou shalt keep them, O Lord. Thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. That must mean until today and until forever. Okay. And Luke 4, 4, that's why God says, Jesus himself says, Jesus answered him saying, It is written that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Every word of God. And like I asked earlier, how many is every? All of that. All right. Now, so... That's why it's important to have a word-perfect Bible. Okay? And then the next thing we ask, we talked about, is never add to or take away from the Bible, both in P, that's not perfect, that's not that word, okay? Both in P and in your... P, starts with the letter P, ends with paper. Paper and your thoughts. Kind of, same, kind of about the same way, though. Paper and your thoughts. So here's the thing. Sometimes when, uh, sometimes when we read the Bible, we talked about this two weeks ago, we have our, our own set of doctrines that maybe was just passed down to us that we did not check from the Bible whether it's biblical or not. I've had a lot of that before. <laughs> and then all of a sudden you read the Bible, oh, wait a second, what, my, what I've been believing before has, has been wrong. Have you had that experience before? <laughs> we got to be honest with ourselves when you face that. You know, like when you read the Bible and all of a sudden it says what you're doing is wrong, you know, there's nothing you can do. But... You can't, you can't do mental acrobats. You know, you can, you can just obey what the Bible says. So sometimes we don't change what is written. We don't grab a pen or change what is written in the paper. But we say that something is, or, or we say that it's in there or something. I'll give you an example. Do you remember who Moses' wife is? Do you remember the name? Starts with a Z. Oh, I heard it. Zipporah. Good job. Who was that? I'm just going to give you all plus five in your tests. All right. Zipporah. Uh, say, for example, Moses, after working so hard, asking for, asking for uh, you, know, you know, like just writing down the law that God gave him. 
Moses, say for example, came back home, found his wife Zipporah in the kitchen table with her chin on her arm like this. You know what that means? That means she has a problem. And then Moses says, dear, what's wrong? Zipporah says, hon, what must I do to be saved? What do you think Moses says? Moses says, would Moses say, well, open your Bible to Romans chapter number 3, verse 10. Oh, there's none righteous, no, not one. Well, the Bible, well, Moses would say, do you think Moses would say, well, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter number 15, verse 1 to 4, that our gospel is the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Is that what Moses says? No, because that wasn't written yet, Right? Well, but some people will say, oh yeah, but I'm sure God told them about the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. So you did not add it to the paper, but you added it in your thoughts. Do you see the point there? All right. So let's look at the verses here. We are not as many which corrupt the word of God, but as of sincerity, but as of God in the sight of God speak we in Christ. And I know you and I, and I'm sure Brother Bill, you and I, we, we all, not just you and I, we all believe this. Without this book over here, without the Bible, we're just wasting our time over here, right? So if that's true, then why would we even think about corrupting it? Amen? Why would we even think of stealing somebody else's mail and, 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 and applying it for our time? The Bible says in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter number 4, verse 1 to 3, it says, Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not, but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor what? Handling the word of God deceitfully. So if, the, if what we just read is true, and it is because it's Bible, amen, that means there is a danger of people mishandling God's word. Right? So whether you're here or in, in internet land, and I think we talked about this last Sunday, even with myself, please apply this truth. If Brother Francis says something different from the, what the Bible says, we go by what the Bible says. Amen. And please grab Brother Francis by the hand and escort him saying, Brother Francis, we'll lead you outside. <laughs> because there is a danger of handling God's work deceitfully. The Bible says in Jeremiah 26 verse 2, Thus saith the Lord, Stand in the court of the Lord's house, and speak unto all the cities of Judah, which come to worship in the Lord's house. All the words that I command thee, speak unto them. Diminish not a word. Because all of it is pure. Amen? The Bible says in John chapter 14, verse 23, Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him, and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. Now, this probably doesn't happen anymore these days because most of the time it's more email or text messages. But how many of you remember writing, sending, or receiving a love letter? Oh yeah, come on now. 
Remember the Bible. Remember our theme when we first started together here uh, last September. I said our goal is for us to have our heart stand in awe of God's word. You remember that, right? Can I re- can I bring you to a time when your heart stood in awe of something, and that's that love letter. Remember that. Well, you can't do this with email, but do you remember? Maybe the men would do this or the ladies would remember receiving this. That men, you would write your love letter and then after you fold it ever so delicately and put it in an envelope, there's something that needs to be done before you put it in that envelope. You remember what that is? You go to your cupboard or to your, to your vanity, grab your cologne and go... Come on, don't tell me I'm the only one who did that. (laughs) You remember that? And then, ladies, or even gentlemen, whoever received the letter, whether it's a a reply or what, you'd, you'd read it every night before you go to bed. And then before you go to sleep, there's two rituals that must be satisfied or else it's not gonna it's not gonna work. First ritual is this. Remember that? That's what the cologne is for. <laughs> Second ritual is you fold it, then what happens? Come on, you know what I'm talking about. You put it under your pillow. So hopefully you have sweet dreams. Amen. Do you remember when your heart stood in awe for that love letter? Our goal is for our hearts to stand in awe for God's word as well. Amen. Guess what? Can you imagine? God, say for example, send us a letter. Or say for example, say for example, you're sending a letter to your significant other. And you ask Brother Francis to be the messenger. And then Brother Francis opened your letter and said, no, we're going to take this part away and we're just going to cut this part over here and we're going to add this over here. Guess what? That's not good. Are you going to be happy about that? You think God's happy about preachers adding and taking away from His Word and then telling people this is what God says? No, sir. No, ma'am. That's why it's important. Amen? Next. Number three, always take the plain literal meaning of the Bible except where context says it isn't literal. All right? So if the Bible says or the context says it's not literal, guess what? How we're supposed to take it? Literally. I've had people literally tell me, Brother Francis, you're so literal when it comes to the Bible. I said, well, that's how God tells us what He means. That's how God tells us what He wants, to, wants us to know. And they said, and then they turn around and say, well, it's not the words that's important. It's the meaning. It's what God means. And then remember, I told you this before. I said, well, please, by all means, tell me what you mean without using any words. <laughs> it's impossible. Amen? That's why it's so important. Um, and there's, there, there are times when the Bible would, and there's very many in, in the book of Revelations, right? When the, the context would say, this is what it's saying, but it means something else. And I'll give you an example. In uh, Galatians chapter number 4, verse 23 to 25, it says, 
This is the story of the Apostle Paul talking about comparing Abraham's two wives. Do you know that Abraham had more than one wife? He had more than two wives, actually. <laughs> but um, uh, he was compa- comparing Hagar, H- Hagar and Sarah. The Bible says, But he who was of the bondwoman was born after the flesh, but he of the free woman was by promise. Which things are a what? Allegory. This brings me back to Miss Javier, who is my English teacher who wielded the samurai uh, yardstick. Remember, I remember talking to her and I remember her class talking about figures of speech. An allegory, like similes and metaphor, an allegory is a figure of speech, meaning it's talking, it's mentioning something which represents something else. So the Bible here in this instance saying, listen, we are talking about Hagar and Sarah or uh, Ishmael and um, Isaac, but they represent something else. For these are the two covenants, see, that one from the Mount Sinai, which gendereth, or uh, the bondage, which is Agar or Hagar, for this Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia. So all of a sudden you think, wait, I can't take that literally because the, A, a person can't be a mountain. And B, the Bible says it's not supposed to be taken literally. It's an allegory. See that? All right. So this will, this will all uh, hopefully be tied together when we get to, to, towards the end here. Next. Never take a verse of Scripture out of context. Right? The Bible says, oh, hey, guess what? We've seen this verse before. We're going to talk about this next week. In Isaiah chapter number 28, verse 10, For precept must be upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little and there a little. You can't just take one verse and let it mean what you want it to say. Right? Uh, I'll give you an example. It's not on here right now, but we'll talk about this later on, time permitting. 1 Corinthians chapter number 4, verse 2, the Bible says, Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. How many of you have heard that verse before? All of us, right? Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. The The pastor would say, Are you a steward? You have to be faithful. And then, he would use that verse, and I know because I'm guilty of this. <laughs> he would use, I use that verse and tell people they have to be faithful with their giving. That's, that's around the time that you would hear that verse, right? Are you a steward of God with that money? You have to be faithful. Well, sure. You know, we're not, we don't own what we have. That all belongs to God, even our lives. Amen. That's why we have to be faithful. But that's taking that verse out of context because the context of that verse is talking about being a steward of the mysteries of God, not money. If you want to talk about somebody being a being faithful uh, steward for money, go to, find another verse, but not that verse. That's twisting it out of context. Right? Next, you still with me? Next, when it comes to definition of words, never define Bible words by man's wisdom. Why? 
Because, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> well, let's just read the, the verse first. 1 Corinthians chapter number 2, verse 13. Which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, compare, comparing spiritual things with what? Spiritual things, right? And I'll tell, you, I'll tell you what this means. That means when you're looking for a definition of a word, yes, it's good to have dictionaries, but dictionaries are written by men. Amen? So that means dictionaries can have errors, right? So, and somebody, and, and we were talking a couple of, a couple, I was talking with a couple of you actually about, you know, what kind of Bible do I recommend and stuff like that. And I would tell you this and that, but, but then I would say, and I've, I guess I've told this to most all of you, I would say something like this. If you want to buy a study Bible, be careful because, I mean, I'm not stopping you from buying a study Bible. I have a study Bible myself. What I'm trying to say is the words, the notes that men write in, in the margin are written by men. That means, are they perfect or imperfect? Imperfect, right? Only the text. So be careful that you're defining God's words with what the notes of the men say. I'll give you an example. Well, it seemed like 100 years ago now. I was in a soul-winning conference in Southeast Asia with a group of preachers from, from here, from the U.S., a group of preachers from um, Singapore, and a group of preachers from the Philippines. And it was a soul-winning uh, uh, conference, Brother Bill, we were learning how to share the gospel to somebody. All of a sudden, during the question and answer portion, one person stood up and said, is the doctrine of the Trinity really, really accurate? He stopped believing in the doctrine of the Trinity. It's just coming out of left field. We were talking about soul winning and then all of a sudden he wanted to talk about the Trinity. And then we said, why? What's going on? How did you come to that conclusion? He said he has, and believe me, if you haven't, I have an old Schofield Bible, all right? But like I said, um, if you have, you know, you, you want to make sure that it's the book, it's the, it's the words of God that is your authority, not what the man says. So all... Uh, there's a, there's a verse in 1 John, you talked about this in, in chapter 5, verse 7, which goes like this. For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. And these three are one. That is the premier verse in the Bible that talks about the doctrine of the Trinity. Well, I actually think that Mr. Schofield has a lot of good stuff that I learned from him. Except for this one part, he has a note in the margin of verse 7 that says, and I'm going to quote it here, it says, quote, it is generally agreed that verse 7, that verse that I, I just quoted to you, the Johannin comma, it has no real authority and has been inserted. And all of a sudden, unquote, and all of a sudden the guy says, oh, What? 1 John 5, 7 about the Trinity is not true. Guess what? 
was heavier, was weightier. Guess what was more authoritative to him? The Bible or what Mr. Schofield said? What Mr. Schofield says, it's supposed to be the Bible. Amen. So it was a stumbling block to him. Why? Because he did not compare the Bible, which is spiritual, with another verse in the Bible, which is also spiritual. He compared it with what man wrote. And then it became a stumbling block to him. Last but not the least, for now. (laughs) I mean, for, for... Roman numeral number one. Always consider the speaker and the audience. Uh, I'll give an example here. James chapter... By the way, James, the book of James, even the great Martin Luther, remember him? The, the guy who, who nailed his thesis into the Wittenberg church signifying uh, the, the start of the Reformation. He could not understand the book of James. Because the book of James says something to the fact uh, uh, to to like to the fact that if your works, if you do not have faith, or sorry, if you do not have works to add to your faith, then your faith is dead. You cannot be justified. So, meaning James is kind of teaching that you need to have faith plus works, and 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 uh, uh, Martin Luther could not understand it. Well, if you only dwell, if you only just read James chapter number 1, verse 1, we would know what the answer is. James chapter 1, verse 1 says, James, who's the writer? James. A servant of God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who is he writing to? To the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad. Greeting. Right? So meaning, this is predominantly Jewish. All right? Because we have 12 tribes of Israel. I'm not part of the 12 tribes over here. I'm part of the body of Christ. Now, there are things that you can apply here from the book of James just um, um, practically, but not doctrinally because it's not written to me. I'll give you an example. James 3.5, one of my favorite verses in James, the book of James. It says... Uh, Man, all of a sudden, my mind is blank. Even so, so, that tongue is a little member. Thank you. That boasted great things. Behold, what great a matter a little fire kindleth. Right? It's talking about the danger of the tongue if we don't bridle it, if, if we don't control it. But when it comes to doctrine of salvation, I can't. Why? Because it's not written to me. It's written to the 12 tribes. Right? Does that mean, Brother Francis, that we are supposed to tear off the book of James, and throw it away because it's not Scripture. No, all of this is Scripture. And all of this we can learn for our learning. But not all of that is written to us. All of the Bible is written for us. Not, written, not all of it is written to us. Still there? All right, now let's go to the, let's go to the preaching. <laughs> So just a, just a summary, some basic rules in studying the Bible. Make sure you have a perfect word-for-word word Bible, number one. Number two, never add to or take away from the Bible, both in paper and in your thoughts. Number three, always take the plain literal meaning of the Bible, except where the context says it isn't. 
literal. It isn't literal. Number four, never take a verse of scripture out of context. Number five, when it comes to definition of words, never define Bible words by man's wisdom. Number six, always consider the speaker and the audience. That by no means is every single. That's not all of it. That's just some of it. That's why it says some basic rules. God willing, we'll have some more time in a different time to talk about most all of the rules. Amen. Let's talk about some fundamental differences between Israel and the church and, uh, and the church, which is the body of Christ. Number one, I, I will bring you to my homework that I asked you to do one time. Like uh, I would say maybe six or seven Sundays ago. First off, let's talk about the future and inheritance. Number one, the future of Israel and the inheritance of Israel is different from the future and the inheritance of us, the body of Christ. Our inheritance, us, we look up. Amen? We look up for the Lord Jesus Christ to take us. They are waiting for the kingdom of God to come, which is the millennial kingdom. You guys are talking about that in the book of Revelation. So they're not looking up. They're looking forward. We're looking up. The problem is, if you're looking forward, there's seven years that you don't want to go through, which is the seven year of tribulation. Amen. <laughs> right? So, you mean to say, Brother Francis, that Israel in... Israel's inheritance is not in heaven. It's earthly. I'm glad you asked. We're probably going to finish here. And I know this is hard to, um, hard to receive because it was one of the things that was hard for me to receive. And God was talking to, to Abraham over here in Genesis chapter 13, verse 14 to 15. And the Lord said unto who? Abraham. Who's talking? God. Who's he talking to? Abraham. The father of... Uh, um, of one of the father, the patriarchs of Israel. After that, Lot was separated from him. Lift up now thine eyes and look from the place where thou art northward, southward, eastward, and westward. So that means it's real estate. It's not something spiritual, right? It's a land. And it says, For all the land which thou seest, to thee will I give it, and to thy seed how long? Forever. Genesis 17 verse 8. And I will give unto thee and to thy seed after thee the land wherein thou art a stranger, all the land of Canaan for an, how long? Everlasting possession. And I will be their God. Now watch this. Uh, Psalm 11 verse 29. And this is so important because the first question we're going to talk, tackle next week is about our friends from the Jehovah's Witnesses, which, me, which says that we're going... We are the ones that are going to receive that kingdom. All right? The righteous shall inherit the land and dwell therein. How long? Forever. All right? So after, guess what? After the millennial kingdom, which is, that's why it's millennial, a thousand years, right? Then the earth is going to be reformed by fire. And then while that's happening, we're over at the, uh, the, the great white throne judgment. After that, there will be what? That's coming down. The city, the, the new Jerusalem. Where it's, not, it's not coming up. It's coming down to the reformed earth. Why? Because that land 
is going to be the Israelites forever. Right? Ours, however, ours, see, it's in, first, it's in 2 Corinthians, right? Our future and inheritance, however, the body of Christ, 1 Corinthians chapter number 5, verse 1. For we know that if our earthly house, this house, of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God, a house not made with hands. How long? Where is it? In the heavens. So here's the thing. If we, here's, and we're, gonna, we're done. We're, we're not going to be able to talk about all this. We'll in, incorporate it next week. I know you guys are so excited to learn the rest of it. But if we are not careful and we keep on stealing somebody else's mail when that's supposed to be for Israel, we are in danger of trying to bring down the kingdom. I think we were talking about this last week, ma'am, uh, or uh, last Sunday. There's a lot of churches who operate like they have a kingdom and the pastor is the king. Because they think that they're trying to build, to, to bring the kingdom down here. Right? And so let me end with this. Be careful of what we're trying to apply in our lives. We need to rightly divide the Word of God. It's not saying, we're not saying that only parts of the Bible is, is, is profitable and let's throw the rest of it away. That's not what we're trying to say. We're trying to say when we're talking about doctrinal stuff, we need to make sure that we're applying what's ours and not stealing somebody else's mail. I have, I, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm sorry to say this, but... Remember, we are talking about praying for our nation. And I'm all for that. Because yes, it's weird what's going on. And as much as we can, that's all the more reason to get people to learn more about the Lord Jesus Christ and to get them saved. But the Bible says in, in the book of Timothy that at the end times, everything is gonna, just going to wax worse and worse and worse and worse. That's why. Pray for our nation, yes. But praise God that our hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. Amen. Because when everything goes south and there is nothing else to do, when everything goes down, whoa, look up for your redemption. Draw it nigh. Amen. Praise God. Let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, for your words. I pray, Father, that you would encourage every single one of us, dear God, to, to be, be uh, excited and stand in awe of your words, but also to make sure that we are um, not stealing somebody else's mail. Lord, as we continue our service, we thank you, Lord, for everyone. And uh, speak to everyone, Father. If there's anyone who's not saved, we pray that today would be the day of salvation. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.